Good morning, everyone. Welcome to episode two of Green Minds Podcast. Today, I have with me Danny Danko, senior cultivation editor for High Times Magazine, author of the official High Times Field Guide to Marijuana Strains, and podcast host for Free Weed with Danny Danko. Danny, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. If I could get you to go in a little bit and riff on what it is you've been working on recently and give a little bit of background into what it is you do. Okay, well, uh, as you mentioned, I'm the senior cultivation editor of High Times Magazine. I started over 15 years ago full-time around 2002 ever since. Prior to that, very enthusiastic about cannabis. I had been a grower. I had been activism and all of that like since I was going to Boston Freedom Rally, uh, which is coming up in September. And early on, I just enjoyed uh, smoking much more than other sort of intoxicants that were around. And then little by little, I started becoming more of an activist. And then I sort of was growing and I couldn't quite do as much activism as I wanted. So, you know, little by little, just I moved from Boston to New York and again was growing around that time too in the late 90s. Uh, I worked for a hemp baseball hat company called Headcase. We made hemp clothing. A job opportunity opened up at High Times, basically answering the phone, breaking down boxes, things like that. And I took it because I just wanted to get my foot in the door. And then little by little, other opportunities opened up. And one of my mentors, Kyle Cushman, left New York around 2004. You know, I had already been working there a couple of years, but in that capacity of doing products and phones and things like that. But when he left, that opened up an opportunity in the cultivation department. So I took it. I've been doing that ever since. It's been amazing. It's taken me all around the world. Got to write a bunch of articles that from what I've heard from people that were somewhat influential upon them beginning a career in cannabis or growing or the medical aspects of cannabis as well, because that's very important to me as well. So that's kind of how I got here. And so now I've been writing the top 10 strains since 2005. I'm working on the top 10 strains of 2017. So that's 12 years of of strains. I just, I've gotten to go around to a bunch of different cultivation facilities and seen some pretty amazing stuff. A lot of changes in the industry for the better, for the most part, it's been a wild ride and I think it's not over. So it's been exciting and, and I'm excited for the future as well. I'm leaving for Seattle Hemp Fest later today, which is a huge event, amazing event put on by an incredible group of people in Seattle led by Vivian McPeak, who's a tremendous inspiration as an activist. Yeah. And then we have a cannabis cup in Canada coming up right after that. So I'm actually taking the ferry <laughs> from Seattle up to Canada for Vancouver Island. We have a cannabis cup. It was the Bio Cup and High Times partnered up with them. Now that's our first Canadian cannabis cup coming up in just a week and a half. It really sounds like your story was was rags to riches, doing it recreationally and then working your way into the industry from ground level, breaking down boxes all the way up to where you're at now, getting to travel the world and be an activist for cannabis. What's the biggest goal you see within High Times, more of an activism role or more of a commercial role? Uh, Well, it's a little bit of both, I would say, but really my goal is just to teach people techniques for how to grow, what to grow, you know, what strains to grow. And there's a bunch of different ways to grow. There's not like one ideal way. I mean, a lot of different aspects to it. So I'm not necessarily advocating one particular style, whether it's, you know, hydroponic or organic or no-till soil and all of those things. I just want to encourage people to do it themselves. I was telling you before we started, there's a lot of fear in the cannabis community about big businesses like corporations, Monsanto and Marlboro and all of these really large corporations that are definitely 
stepping into cannabis and there's a lot of fear and a lot of worry and alarm it's, it's warranted you know there's reason to fear that but at the same time we need them if we can grow our own we can take ourselves out of the commerce of the system that's why i called my podcast free weed is because ultimately I think it should be basically free. It should be something that you grow in your yard or in a greenhouse and share with your friends just like you would with tomatoes or peppers or onions or anything else that you happen to grow in your garden. And I think the idea that an ounce could cost $400 or something like that is, is outrageous. And those are prohibition prices. They're based on risk. They're based on the fact that the person who's growing it the person who's selling it, all of those people are taking tremendous risk for, of their lives and of their livelihoods and their freedom. That's why cannabis costs so much. And we've seen in, in legal states where the prices have gone down greatly, down to $80 an ounce. And I think that's much more reasonable. And I think, you know, obviously there's a lot of growers that aren't so happy about that, but that's just the sign of the times. You know, that's the changing ways. And, and if the price of the product goes down, that means the price of production has to go down. You have to decrease, you know, the amount of electricity that you use. You have to decrease the, the, the expenses on air conditioning and things like that. So I think things are shifting towards a cheaper way to produce cannabis, but also to produce high quality cannabis. And by that, I mean something that's like connoisseur quality or even better would be medicinal quality, something that's fed lightly, you know, not overfed with nutrients, something that's a quality strain that's produced properly. And that's really the goal for me in the cultivation department is just to encourage people, particularly in places where they're allowed to do it, if you have six plants or 10 plants that you're allowed to grow, I think it's a no-brainer. You should you know, pop some seeds and, and get growing. And once those seeds are popped, it's on. You're going to learn about spider mites. You're going to learn about nutrients. You're going to learn about overfeeding, underfeeding, overwatering. All those things are going to happen. And over time, you're going to develop the way that you're comfortable producing. And you know, it's a constant process of learning. So that's pretty much it. And I think that is a form of activism in a huge way because you're basically taking yourself out of the commerce of cannabis and into just the love of the plant, which is really what we're, we're all about. I like how you put it, the separation between mass-produced cannabis that's being rolled and packaged and shipped versus locally grown where people are really taking the time to focus on a few select plants, making sure that they get the attention that they need to really produce high-quality flowers so that you can use that at a significantly cheaper cost than one, the prohibition prices, and two, even the the mass produced prices once we get to that stage. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's no comparison in the quality of, of something of a pre-roll that you buy at a store that could have been sitting on a shelf for a month and was produced in a huge room with hundreds of grow lights compared to something that was done in a four by four tent and hand watered and hand fed and all of that. And I've seen decent quality out of mass production, but never as good as something that a person can do on their own. That makes a lot of sense with the amount of time you can spend with each plant. So you're heading out to Hempfest today. Yeah, that's this weekend starting tomorrow. Um, I'm leaving today for that. Yeah, the Cannabis Cup in Canada is the weekend after. And then kind of the end of summer big thing for, for us is Boston Freedom Rally in September. And we have a cup again in Michigan, in Clio, Michigan, that weekend, uh, the 9th and 10th of September. And the weekend after, the 6th, 16th of September, that weekend, Boston Freedom Rally, which is my hometown. And I've been going, like I said, since before I worked for High Times and since I was a kid. So this, I think that's the 29th year that it's been going on. And it's a great event as well. Incredible musical acts, incredible speakers, and uh, it's right in the middle of downtown Boston. Do each of them have their own theme? Or is there any real role that you hope to play when you attend each of these? Yeah, I mean, I sort of 
you know, depending on what state I'm in and what the laws are in that state, my speech that I give is catered to the medicinal patient. You know, if you're a medical patient, I don't think it's in your best interests to, you know, just purchase a product off a shelf when you can create it yourself. If you have the means to do it and it's available to you, it's well worth it to produce your own. I think even that is helps in the healing process to actually be able to create your own medicine is pretty amazing. And so that's kind of a theme in the medical states. In a rec state like Washington, again, I'm going to encourage people to grow their own and, you know, really try out a, a bunch of different varieties. We've seen that the different various terpene profiles and cannabinoids that are present in different strains affect people differently. And so for medical purposes and for recreational purposes or for adult use purposes, I think it's important to experiment maybe a sativa, maybe a hybrid, maybe an indica depending on what it is, if it's nerve pain or if it's any kind of uh, PTSD or something like that, there's all types of things that cannabis is very effective for. I will also mention in my speeches, this country has a very, very serious issue with opiates and with alcohol. These things are killing people at a rate that is astonishing if you actually look at the numbers. It's scary and it's a shame upon this country that we're filling people with pills and booze and it's perfectly legal to do that and it's it's outrageous to me. And cannabis can replace those things in a safe manner. It's a wonderful alternative to these things that are killing people and cannabis doesn't kill anybody and it actually heals. And I think that that's really the most important message that I have about this plant is that if you, and I'm not the first to say this, I heard this personally from Jack Herrer years ago, if you replace alcohol or opiates with cannabis, you are guaranteed to live longer and be happier. And I think that's the message. Everybody wants to look at us as cannabis consumers and they want to look down on us and call us stoners and lazy and all these things. None of those things are true. Cannabis enhances who you are. If you're a lazy person and you smoke, you will be lazy. But if you're motivated, if you're a business person and you smoke, those things, your ideas will flourish. If you're a musician and you smoke, you can write songs, you can have inspirational moments with this plant. So it's an enhancement for who you are. And I think for some people, maybe that's not a good thing. If you're a bad person and you smoke, it, it's going to reveal you to yourself. Hopefully it'll make you change for the better, but some people, I think it freaks them out. I think that's really one of the reasons that the government fears cannabis so much that it's still illegal now to this day. We can't kid ourselves that we're in this golden age. It is great and it's wonderful and things are better for a number of people, but there are still places in this country and in this world where you can get 20 years in jail for a plant. And I think it's just, it's an outrage to me. And so that's kind of why I dedicate my life to trying to fix it. The amount of people whose lives have, have been destroyed, who've gone to prison, who've had their houses raided by people with guns, had their animals shot dead in front of their children, it's outrageous. And I'm sorry to you know bring everything down, but it's the truth. It's really happening in this world right now. It's our duty as people of the plant to protect the plant and protect the people who love it. And uh, I'm so proud to to work for a company that's been doing that for over 40, 44 years. And that's during times of much worse struggle than we're in now. I'm glad we've got someone as passionate as you because a lot of times we have people who have the knowledge and we have people who have the passion and there's a disconnect there. I had a guest on last week, Jamal Hackler, who is a master grower out in California. He says he's working on plant genetics to make a healthier plant and have the ability to mix different strains together and get new seeds that maximize the benefits that we really want while getting rid of any of the other debilitating effects that some people might not want. Do you think when we're going about this, people are able to match these plants together knowing the exact qualities that we get out? 
or is it more of a guess and see what happens where we take one dad and one mom, put them together, and we kind of expect these different traits to come out. But at the end of the day, it's really a guess and we just have to keep iterating. Well, I think it's a little bit of both in that sense as well. And that's another reason why we shouldn't fear technology is the new technologies that are happening, the, the ability to be able to test these plants as they're growing and find out things about how they're going to be in the future really saves these growers a lot of time. And uh, as far as crossing plants, there's so much we have yet to discover and so many strains that haven't been discovered yet and haven't been created yet. The other thing about that, it's tough because cannabis affects different people in different ways. What works for one person for the same ailment may not work for another person for that exact ailment because of their body chemistry or their size or there's so many different factors. I think it is important for people to experiment and find the, the hybrids or the crosses that work best for them. Um, and as for breeders and growers, I think you know they should embrace technologies as, as long as they're not really off the beaten path. Breeders are doing incredible work, you know, of different plants. There's also a lot of people sort of muddying the gene pool in a lot of ways just by crossing anything with anything and just trying to see what comes out. So I think it's something that's best left to the experts for the most part, things like breeding. It's important that people understand Mendelian genetics and things like that. What happens when you cross two things together, recessive genes, I agree. As we start to become a smarter species as Homo sapiens, we need to think about why we are doing things before we go into directly starting and working on them. Yeah, but it is amazing that now you can take a leaf sample of a plant that's sprouted and you can put that into a lab and find out what the potential of that plant is in the future. The key to breeding is to grow large populations and to make your choices from those populations, you know, based on the criteria that you've set when you decided why. Picking and choosing keeper phenotypes out of 10 seedlings is not nearly as effective as picking out of a thousand seedlings. It's really cool that people can do these leaf tests now and really have that decision making process be a little more scientific. I had no idea that that existed. Is that the leaf testing? Is that something like a Christmas tree farm where one company has a big old field of young vegetating cannabis plants? You go out there and pick the ones that you want? Or is it larger scale companies knowing that they have a limit on the number of plants that they can grow, whether legally or logistics wise? Start off with a lot of edging plants and then after doing the leaf tests, pick out their key performers, shut down the rest. Yeah, that's what it would benefit is basically being able to make those choices of which plants to hang on to much sooner. Because normally without the leaf testing, you'd have to grow them all out to make those choices to see what the potential is going to be. You have to actually grow them out. And now you can take a leaf test and see, okay, this is going to be a high THC or a high CBD plant. And this is the one that I want to hang on to and keep for further generations. Breeding isn't just making one cross. It's about refining a cultivar, taking it several generations and to really stabilize it for the traits that you've chosen. So A plus B equals C. There's a lot more science to it. It's important that people, you know, just stick, stick with the science. If you want to experiment, that's one thing. But as far as putting those seeds out onto the marketplace and, and having people just testing out these wild willy-nilly crosses that were made, it's kind of a waste of time in a lot of ways. And it also sort of muddies the gene pool. So I've got a question for you. With your exposure, how do you think in the next five years we're going to really start to get across the U.S.? in terms of medical implications? Do you think it'll be pure plant form smoking or eating, or are we going to start working it into our medications? How do you see the relationship going there? Well, I think that concentrates and edibles, tinctures, things of that nature 
are the future of definitely medical use because when you're using for medical purposes, the flavor and the scent of the plant is not as important to you. The burnability, things like that aren't nearly as important as the effect. The effect from a certain strain and you can concentrate that into a tincture or concentrate gel cap form of cannabis, then it's just a more effective medicine for people in that way. So we're seeing a lot of like the CBD, you know, tinctures and gel caps becoming very popular with medical patients. I just wish that, you know, we could change things on a federal level so we can actually have, you know, labs and doctors in the US doing studies for children with epilepsy, doing studies for veterans with post-traumatic stress Doing studies for seniors, I think, is a very important aspect of medical cannabis. I think those three things, and there's obviously people going through chemotherapy and cancers, neuropathic pain, brain injuries, and cannabis, it heals our bodies in in ways. I mean, I don't want to proselytize right now, but it's a healing plant that helps people feel better. And even when you're using it recreationally, as Dennis Perone says, all use is medical in a way because you could be treating something you don't even know you're treating. Feeling better and being people call high, it's making you feel better. It's making your outlook better. If you have depression, it helps. And you may be self-medicating without even knowing it. I think there's a lot of that going on. It's very difficult to get a license from the DEA to do this. It's very difficult for doctors to go through the process. There are some doctors doing it, and it's a shame that it's happening in other countries. Israel, they are finding all kinds of amazing medical things about cannabis because they're allowed to do it. Their government allows them to do it. And in other countries, Canada, Uruguay, Spain even, they have testing that's being done that is double-blind actual medical testing with patients to figure out what can cannabis do. What are the amazing benefits that we can discover from this plant? I'd like to see it change on a federal level in the U.S. so that we could do that here. And I think it would benefit a lot of our population to do that. Biggest takeaways for me so far is that even people who think they're using it recreationally might not even realize the benefits they're getting from the plant. And your message that we need to help make sure these issues are brought up, the misinformation is cleared up, rings very well in what you said. Now we'll transition over to the lightning round. The goal of this is going to be to get the first thing that comes to your mind. I'll ask somewhere between five and seven. So what is your favorite strain to smoke? <laughs> I would say strawberry cough is my favorite strain to smoke. There's a lot of great ones out there, obviously. I love all the chem family strains, all the cushions and stuff, but strawberry cough is the one that provides me with the most inspiration. It's a sativa dominant strain, it's easy to grow, and it's just like perfect daytime smoke, uh, wonderful for walks in the park. Anytime you need a little inspiration, I think you know women tend to enjoy it a lot as well. I've just noticed anecdotally that for a lot of people, that's the strain that they really love. It leaves a wonderful aroma in the room, like almost like you're burning incense. So even people who are sort of turned off by the smell of skunk weed and that sort of thing actually don't mind the smell of the cough. So that would be it. If you could recommend one tool to every grower that costs under $50, what would you recommend? Wow. Um, I would recommend a, a thermometer, hydrometer, something that measures the temperature and the humidity in your space because the temperature is very important. People don't understand if, if your temperatures in your grow space get up to 85, 90 degrees, the plant stops growing. The humidity level is also very important because if the humidity is too low or too high, you can have all kinds of problems from that as well. So, in, and I don't mean one that just says what the temperature is and what the humidity is, but one that's constantly monitoring those things and a, a digital one. They're, they're under 50 bucks, but they're an invaluable tool for growers. I think every grower should have one. 
What do you think is the hardest part for early growers when they first start growing cannabis? I think the two biggest mistakes are overwatering and overfeeding. So I think the hardest part is just to stay out of the way sometimes. People's tendency is there always needs to be something to be done. And I think a lot of that is unnecessary. It's important to spend the time with your plants and look at all different parts of the plant. The underside of the leaves is a very important part to check for pests and stuff. As far as watering and feeding goes, err on the side of caution. It's always easier to add more than it is to take it away. It's very easy to fix underfeeding or underwatering, but it's very difficult to fix overfeeding and overwatering. Err on the side of caution and let the plant tell you what it needs. Plants are very responsive. Which age group do you think has benefited the most from cannabis legalization so far in the United States? Huh. Well, I'd have to say it would be millennials just because they're growing up in a country that has legal states. You know, when I was growing up, there was no, that option did not exist. I can remember going to Amsterdam in the 90s emotionally affected by the ability to walk into a store and be treated like a customer instead of a criminal and, and to, to buy cannabis off of a menu. It was emotional for me. I looked around and I thought like, why isn't it like this everywhere? Why isn't it like this back home? We have to change the world and make it more like this. That's, that was my thought. So now with people growing up, if you're 18 years old and you're living in Colorado or Washington, you can walk into us. There's no reason to go to Amsterdam. I mean, it's a great city and it's wonderful to visit and I highly recommend it, but you don't have to do that for cannabis. You can go right down the street and you can walk into a store and you can buy an eighth and you can bring it home and you can smoke it, or you can buy concentrates and you can do your dabs, or you can get your medicine, your edibles, your tinctures, your topicals. There's so many options. So I'd have to say that the youngest generation that's legally allowed to is seeing these things as normal. And I think that you can't turn back time on, on something like that. Last question. When you go to the Cannabis Cup in Canada, do you have any strains that you expect to come out on top when you go there? That's interesting. One of my favorite sativas is Island Sweet Skunk, and it actually comes from Vancouver Island. I haven't had it in a long time. I was in Toronto recently just for a couple of days, but I haven't been a west coast of Canada for a while. But I love the Island Sweet Skunk. I think that's got a lot of potential in the sativa category. And I think as far as indicas go, well, Kushes have made their way north from Cali through Oregon, through Washington into Canada. There's probably a Kush hybrid of some kind that's going to probably take the indica side. You never know. Things come out of nowhere sometimes and just something unique and different and new can just wow the, the judges. And Danny, what is the best way for people to follow what it is you're doing? I would say um, on social media. So I have uh, Facebook, which is Danny Danko. My Twitter handle is Danny Danko. And my Instagram is at Danny Danko HT. So that would be the best. I wish you luck in your trip up to Seattle later today. And I hope you see some of that island sweet skunk. <laughs> well, it's been great having you on today, Danny. And I wish you the best. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And uh, again, I just encourage people to about cannabis. Don't make it about yourself. Don't make it about anything but the plant. It's a wonderful, healing, amazing thing, and it needs to be more free. So anything you can do to help. I think what you're doing here is amazing to be interviewing people and getting all these different opinions about cannabis out there and getting the truth out there. It's one of the great things about the internet. I think the internet had a, a huge impact on legalization of cannabis, the sharing of information, the sharing of the truth. You know, you can't hide lies as easily anymore because the truth is out there and it's thanks to people like you putting it out there, so thank you.